Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, today is Pentecost Sunday on the global church calendar. And Pentecost Sunday is celebrated 50 days after Easter. Can you believe that 50 days has passed since we gathered together in three services on Resurrection Sunday? Pentecost is celebrated by both Jews and Christians, but for different reasons. Pentecost is the Greek word for 50. And the Jewish Pentecost commemorates the giving of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, to Moses. Jesus' followers were in Jerusalem observing Pentecost, which occurred 50 days after the Passover. For those of you who are new to the Bible, let me just catch you up for just a moment and fill you in. In Exodus, we read about this man named Moses. He was born in a tumultuous time. His people were in slavery to the Egyptians. And the Egyptian Pharaoh was afraid that the Jewish slaves were going to uh, become too numerous and was afraid that they would overtake and defeat him. And so in his evil heart, he thought, well, the way that we can make sure that this doesn't happen is that we can kill all of the baby boys at birth. Moses was born at this time. And his mom puts him in a basket and floats him down the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter finds him and raises him as her own son. Later in life, Moses has this interaction with God, a supernatural moment where there's this burning bush and God is talking to Moses and tells him to lead the Israelites out of slavery and into the promised land. Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says these famous words, let my people Wow, this side again. Y'all are impressive this morning. Let's see if this side can know it. Let my people. Oh, that was stronger. That was so good. Pharaoh waffles between letting them go and keeping them, and God sent 10 plagues. And during these plagues, Pharaoh was warned about the severity of the plagues before they happened and the consequences if he wouldn't let the Israelites go. The 10th plague and the final plague was... uh, the death of the firstborn males. And again, Pharaoh was warned about the consequence of this and he continued with his opposition and his defiance to God. The Israelites were instructed before this final plague to put lamb's blood on the doorposts of their door and above their door and that if they did that, this destroyer would pass over their house and not take the life of their firstborn. This is where we get the term Passover. Pentecost takes place 50 days after this. And so when we look at Acts chapter 2 in just a moment, we'll make the connection as to why there were so many different people from different nationalities all together in Jerusalem. They were there celebrating Pentecost. And Acts chapter 2 records a moment when an already significant day took on added significance. Jesus had been arrested He had been unfairly tried. He had been crucified and buried. And three days later, he's raised from the dead just as he said that he would do. He appears to numerous people. Before he ascends into heaven, 
he instructs the disciples to stick around and to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you're wondering how many days were in between the ascension of Christ and the outpouring of the Spirit, which is the promise in Acts chapter 2, it was 10 days. Some of y'all are like, 10 days. How could they wait 10 days after all of this in the emotion of all of that? Some of y'all, I couldn't wait 10 minutes. Like, I need that gift. Now, it was 10 days that had passed, and undoubtedly, the wait was worth it. Acts chapter 2 records how an already special day was given another reason to be memorialized. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 this morning, the verses will also appear on the screen. Acts chapter 2, or scroll on your digital devices. Verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you would have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Jews have gathered to celebrate Pentecost. And the believers of Jesus were all waiting in this one house for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They had witnessed Jesus ascend above the clouds and probably felt uncertain and a bit powerless about the future. And the Jews looked back from Pentecost to the giving of the law and the Passover, and they remembered the blood of the lamb that was shed and the death angel passing over their homes and sparing their lives. Now these believers are gathered not to look back to the law, not to look back to the moment when the blood of the lamb was shed over the doorpost and above the door, but instead they look back to the son that was given, the son that was able to do what the law could never do. Grace and forgiveness come through Jesus. And so we don't look back to the law or the shed blood of the lamb being smeared on the doorpost. Instead, we look back to the cross where the blood of the Son of God was shed for the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29 says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so we look back to the cross and we're reminded that we've been delivered from our own Egypt, that we've been delivered from sin. We're grateful for our heritage. We're grateful for our past. And as the disciples waited for this gift that Jesus promised, this gift wasn't for their past. Instead, it was for their present and for their future. 
And so while they looked back, God did something miraculous to energize them and empower them for their future. And after this moment, a day that was already celebrated by so many would take on new meaning, a meaning that we celebrate today. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they were all together. And then all of a sudden, they experienced something that, that we're familiar with, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Some of you are all too familiar with that sound. Now, I think there's a, a, a statement that we hear in Iowa, it would be nice outside if it wasn't for the, oh yeah, you know it. It could be 20 degrees outside, in the, not in the middle of winter, like sometime in winter whenever it's 20 degrees and not negative 20 degrees, and people would say, oh, it wouldn't feel bad out here if it wasn't for the, yeah, you think it's a nice day, and so you're going to sit outside and enjoy your food and instead wish that you had a haircut like me so you weren't eating your food and your hair at the same time. Be nice if it wasn't for the wind. And when the wind and the fire of the Spirit fell on these believers, they were given power. A number of years ago, uh, I went with some men from our church and their sons on a fishing trip to South Dakota that I'll never forget. This past week, I was looking back through some of my old pictures, and it's hilarious to look at our kids when they were younger, and, uh, and I just look at y'all with your young kids, and Erica and I will tell you the time flies by. Our baby girl walks the line and graduates from high school today. How does that even happen? And so those of you who are more mature in the room know that these moments happen, but uh, look back through these pictures, and those of you with young kids, soak it up, enjoy it, create memories with them, but these young boys are, are now young men, and on the final day that we were out on this fishing trip, it was windy as all get out. The conditions for comfort were awful. And Scott Dewey and Ryan Dewey and Kale were in one boat, and my son Jacob and I were in another boat, and outside of that, we had the lake to ourselves. In the worst of conditions, the windy conditions, we limited out. We caught as many fish as we possibly could. It was the greatest day of fishing that we had on that trip. And here's the deal. We braved the environment, and we experienced what the rest of the group didn't experience because they didn't brave those environments. And here's what I want to say. In Acts chapter 2, the believers braved the environment. They pushed through their physical, emotional, and spiritual challenges, and they experienced something that would change their lives and countless other lives forever. They experienced the initiation of what would be a mighty move of God that continues to this day. They were all together. They heard what sounded like a mighty rushing wind, and verse 3 continues, that divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. What an experience. The Holy Spirit makes this dramatic entrance that would have been experienced by all. It wasn't like one person in the room witnessed this and then told the rest of the people in the room what they had experienced and said they all saw and they all experienced something that they had never experienced before. In verse 4, it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This moment set them up to spread the gospel like never before. If you'll remember in Acts chapter 1, one chapter before Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This moment was to empower them to be witnesses of Jesus to the uttermost parts of the earth. What a gift. 
Think about this. There was tremendous uncertainty about the future. Some of the disciples were scared for their lives, and rightfully so. Some would die horrible martyrs' deaths because of their faith in Jesus. They would need the strength from outside of themselves just to continue, much less to accomplish the mission that God had for them. Now think about the times that we're living in, times when good is called evil and evil is called good. How many know that we need the power of the Holy Spirit? This is a time where the light of Jesus needs to shine even brighter. And in order for us to fulfill the Great Commission now more than ever, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We talk about how we exist as a church to inspire and equip people to give their whole lives to God, to grow in their relationship with Him and go tell the world the good news. All three of those things require the work of the Holy Spirit. The first part of that statement speaks to salvation, and unless the Spirit draws a heart to God, salvation will not happen. The second part speaks to sanctification, the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit removing things in our life that don't line up to God's word and and helping us grow in areas and develop the gifts of areas that bring him glory. The third part speaks to our responsibility as believers to share the gospel with others. This requires the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. When we go back to the wind imagery, we move where the wind is blowing. Sometime back, it was so windy here, I kid you not, I stepped outside my office door and the door about flew off of the hinges. I got the door shut and I took my first step and as I did, the wind nearly took my feet out from underneath me. And I know that this might surprise some of you, but I don't physically have the power to harness wind. Okay, so I don't have the ability to step out on a windy day and and when my leaves are all filling my yard and let it be on a windy day and just go up to my flower bed where they've all accumulated and take the wind from here and blow it into my neighbor's yard. Like I don't have the power to be able to do that. Instead, what happens? We go where the wind blows. When Eric and I go somewhere on a super windy day, I have to make sure that either both of us don't open the doors of my truck at the same time or that every piece of paper in my truck is placed somewhere away because if both of us happen to open the doors at the same time, that receipt is going to go wherever the wind blows it and no amount of running across Sam's Club parking lot is going to get that receipt from anywhere, right? It's all the way back to Waverly or it's all the way down to Des Moines. I mean, wherever the wind blows, that's where the receipt's going to go. And so as, as we receive from the Spirit, we go. When we think of the wind of the Spirit, we're not controllers of that. We aren't fabricators of the wind of the Spirit. We're simply the recipients. And can I encourage all of us this morning to be willing recipients of the wind and the fire of God. And as we receive, we go. Where he takes us is unknown, but the one who's taking us is familiar, and so we trust him. Many refer to this day as Pentecost Sunday. They refer to it as the birth of the capital C church. And by worldly standards, in Acts chapter 2, those who were gathered in the upper room were not big shots. They weren't big shots of religion or of politics. Verse number 5 says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? 
Right? Not all of these who are speaking Galileans. Galilee was the back country. And so no one expected a group from Galilee to master all of these diverse languages of the world. I'm curious this morning, how many of you in this room speak three or more languages? Would you raise your hand today? Okay, I'm not seeing anybody. Oh, we got one who speaks three languages over here on the second row. That's impressive. So what do we call someone who speaks three languages? We call them trilingual. Okay, so out of curiosity, how many of you speak two languages in this room? Would you raise your hand? Okay, a lot more people speak two languages in the room this morning. That's impressive. So what do you call someone who speaks two languages? Bilingual. Okay, the rest of us just speak one language, and you know what they call a person who just speaks one language? North American. Yeah, <laughs> North American, that's what you call that. The same was true for the Galileans. They were not multilingual until the day of Pentecost. And these people were astonished and amazed because this simple, ordinary people were speaking multiple languages. And verse number eight describes it. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So remember, Jews had made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem from multiple places to observe Pentecost. And in this moment, everything lined up. There are moments in life that happen that are so good, and sometimes you experience those moments alone. Maybe it's a half-court shot that you make. Maybe it's the first time on an instrument when you were playing it, it actually sounded like a song. Maybe it was a hole-in-one shot or an incredible drive, and when you did it, you were all alone, and you were like, man, if only somebody else could have seen that. When you make the winning shot or the home run in front of a crowd, it's a totally different experience. This morning, my father-in-law told me the outcome of the NBA game last night, of which I couldn't care less, but he told me about that and how with .10, I don't even know, like with a fraction, of, a fraction of a fraction of a second left, somebody won the game, and I don't want to do a spoiler alert in case you miss it. Plus, I, well, now I can remember. I couldn't remember who won. Now I remember. It's not LeBron James. Oh, see, I should stay away from sports. This Acts chapter 2 experience lined up perfectly. And there's this number of people to experience it as as well as they have plenty of spectators. People from the surrounding regions are witnessing these simple people declaring the wonders of God in their own language. They knew that it wasn't possible uh, that someone had a subscription to Babel or Rosetta Stone or had been studying these languages on the side. There was no natural explanation for what took place. It was supernatural. The Holy Spirit is still moving in supernatural ways today. For those of you who were here last week, Pastor Darren Poley shared about how he and his wife were sitting on a, on a patio watching a service, and the pastor said, there's somebody sitting on a patio right now, and you're having the summer from hell, and that was the language that he had used. And so uh, what a powerful moment that Pastor Darren described yesterday, Nathaniel and Janae showing us the text messages this morning of how you guys are in a different state, and nobody even 
even knows what's happening. And I remember when y'all met with me in the office and you told me that y'all were leaving and your worship pastor was leaving, I, I didn't want to have you come because I was like, I don't want that anointing getting on our staff whatsoever, you know? I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, right? And so I'm glad it was their church and not ours. So uh, we're, yes, I'm going to keep moving. But what happened for you and what happened for Darren and Jane was a only God moment. And on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it was a only God moment. And even in this supernatural experience where it could only be attributed to God, there were still some doubters. In verse number 13 of Acts chapter 2, it records what the rowdies in the back said. They chimed in and said, these folks must have gotten into our liquor cabinet. They said, these folks must be drunk. And what's sad about their response is they missed it. They misjudged and they misunderstood what was happening. And the saddest part is because they misunderstood and they misjudged, they missed out. And I just want to encourage everyone in the room this morning that when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that you would seek to understand so that you wouldn't misunderstand so that you wouldn't miss out how many people today still misjudge and misunderstand the work of the spirit and they miss out Pentecost is a familiar celebration it took on a different more special meaning after the experience in Acts chapter 2 today's Memorial Day how cool would it be if there was such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit this morning that even this holiday, Memorial Day, would take on a new meaning in our hearts? That because you showed up, because you opened your heart and your mind, God showed off. These were simple, unlikely people that God did this for, and he's still pouring out his spirit on simple, unlikely people today. And you look at the Apostle Peter, he didn't see himself as a spiritual superstar. He was the one that denied Jesus three times a few months earlier. He didn't have any special status in the religious or political or financial communities of Jerusalem. But after he received the Holy Spirit, he boldly spoke these truths. He said, these people aren't drunk. And he makes the connection with the prophet Joel and quotes the scripture in verse 16. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. I'll show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter continues his sermon to the people. Now I'm just going to give you a snippet of it. In verse number 36, he's, he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. 
And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. What a day. What an incredible day. A day that the Holy Spirit was poured out on an obedient church, and what followed was nothing short of miraculous. Verse 37 says that those who heard the words of Peter were cut to the heart. What did Peter say to them? Peter said, you're on the wrong side of God right now. You need to repent and be baptized. With those words, it says they were cut to the heart. And that day, 3,000 people moved from death to life. The message of the gospel is still offensive to those who are perishing. And we need the work and the empowerment of the Spirit so that when we share the Word of God with others, that it pierces the heart, that it cuts straight to the heart, and it leads to repentance. Let's be people who are led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, sensitive to the Spirit, moved by the Spirit, and obedient to the Spirit. These, believer, these believers were pushed to the streets, right? The spectators had seen and heard what happened, and some of them were accused of being drunk. And, and Peter says, they're not drunk as you suppose. And he tells them what has happened. Can you imagine if people in our church were accused of being drunk, not because of the alcohol that had consumed them or that they had consumed, but instead that they were drunk on the Spirit of God in their life, that the fruit of the Spirit of God would be so prevalent in their lives that people would be like, man, those people must be drunk. Look at the love exuding out of their lives right now. May we be known by us being drunk on the Spirit, not drunk on alcohol. And I'll tell you that drunk in the Spirit will lead us to a much better outcome than being drunk on, on alcohol. Where is the Lord pushing us? Where is the wind of the Spirit blowing us? Let's position ourselves so that we catch the wind. Let's leave the comfort of the familiar places and be empowered by the Spirit. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? It's the Spirit of God that has brought you here this morning or that has directed you to watch online. It's not by accident. Maybe there are some of you in this room today who are far from God. You've misunderstood and you've misjudged God and you've distanced yourself from Him and today the Holy Spirit is drawing your heart back to Him. Maybe there are some of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to my maker. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, I want you to slip up your hands all across this room. One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. Thank you. I see that hand. Are there others this morning? Let's all stand. There was at least one hand that went up this morning of someone who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who needs to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much 
for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you in the decision that you've made today. Again, if you'll text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. In just a moment, the prayer team's going to make their way to both sides of the stage, and the worship team's going to lead us in another song. If you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I would encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer. Maybe for some of you this morning that have misjudged and misunderstood the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, maybe today's the day when you say, you know what, I just want somebody to pray for me. I want to be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit this morning. I would encourage you to step out of your seat. If you raised your hand this morning for salvation, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward. Let somebody pray for you. If there's any other area of your life, I, again, I would encourage you to step out and let somebody pray for you. I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to lead us in that. Nathaniel and Janae will be at their table immediately following the service. And I would encourage you when the service ends, connect with them. Grab one of their prayer cards, stick it on your refrigerator, and be praying for them and praying for their family. Again, thank you for responding to the call of God upon your life and for challenging our kids and challenging us today. God, we thank you so much for your word and the work of the Spirit. Lord, this morning we just want to position ourselves where the wind of the Spirit is moving. And so, God, if we need to move one direction or move to another direction so that we catch the wind of the Spirit this morning, we say we want to we do that. We want to go where your Spirit is leading us. And so, Lord, I pray for those this morning that have misunderstood and misjudged, and as a result, they've missed out, that today, that this Memorial Day holiday would take on a new meaning where instead there's an openness and a receptivity of the Spirit and that in this service or on the way home or later today, that they would catch the wind of the Spirit and be filled and baptized with your Spirit. God, we thank you for the work of the Spirit in our lives, and we just pray for even more Holy Spirit activity to continue to work in us individually and as a church, and we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.